Welcome to worship, I'm Pastor Jason, and we are so glad that you've joined us for this worship experience. If you've been worshiping with us for a while, we'd encourage you to invite a friend. If this is your first time worshiping with us, we'd encourage you to go to sumc.co slash hello, check in, we've got a digital card we'd love to send to you. We've been in a worship series called Seek First. Today we're gonna wrap that up and we're gonna hear from Jesus in Matthew chapter six, where he talks about the goodness of God If you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, there's gonna be something that speaks to you and invites you to take another step of faith. If you've never taken a step of faith, if you're exploring who Jesus is, you're gonna get to hear from Jesus himself and he's gonna invite you to follow after him. There's an invitation to all of us as we go through this worship experience to take another step with Christ. We're so glad you're here. In just a moment, Stephanie's gonna come and she's gonna share with us how we can step into ministry through Schweitzer. Let's take a listen. Hi, Stephanie here with what's going on this week at Schweitzer. Well, Thanksgiving's here and we have so much to be thankful for here at Schweitzer, including your generosity. Over the past couple of weeks, we've collected lots of donations to fill backpacks for kids at Pittman. If you're still interested in donating, please have your donations delivered here to the church by Wednesday. If you're not local and you're interested in doing something similar, you can find out ways that you can do this in your area by contacting Sheila Pippin at the email address on your screen. And of course, we hope that you're still continuing to share people and things that you're thankful for on social media using the hashtag 12 days and tagging Schweitzer. I'm particularly thankful this year for my new grandson, Tristan, and I'll be sharing more pictures of him on social media soon, so look for that. And of course, after Thanksgiving, we're gearing up for a big month of celebration with Advent beginning next Sunday and our Christmas with Schweitzer services. If you'd like to be involved on campus from December 20th through the 23rd, we'll be having carols and candlelight services outside. And on Christmas Eve, December 24th, we need volunteers all day long to greet our online guests for our special online services. We can't wait to celebrate with you. Find out more at sumc.co slash Christmas. Thanks, Stephanie, for sharing with us all those ways we can participate with Schweitzer. We are greatly anticipating the Christmas season and there's a place for all of us to serve, to be engaged, to be involved. It's gonna be a great time. If you're worshiping with us live, we encourage you to use the chat feature and the prayer feature. Let's enter into worship. Here's a call to worship from Psalm 135. Praise the Lord for the Lord is good. Celebrate his lovely name with music. KJ, lead us into worship today.
spiritual guide, St. Teresa of Lisieux, roughly described prayer as a way that we enter in to a deep conversation with one who loves us. We just sang about how great the Lord's love is. And as we come to a time of prayer, we come to a space where we are invited, all of us are invited, to enter the space of one who deeply loves us, the Lord God of heaven and earth, who made us, created us for himself and for others and for great joy. So we come to a time where we enter into a space of love. Today, as we do that, I'd invite you to enter this conversation, knowing that the Lord loves you, with sharing some things with the Lord about what's on your heart and mind, the things that you're carrying, and with this great invitation to the Lord himself to say, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Let's take a moment and enter that conversation. This next week, many of us will gather with friends or family, or maybe we'll be far away, but we're gathering to celebrate Thanksgiving. We're encouraged in scripture to give thanks always to the Lord for how he's blessed us. Would you take a moment and name to the Lord things you're thankful for in life? Let's give thanks to the Lord. I invite you to lift up your hearts as I pray this general prayer of thanksgiving. All things come from you, O God, and with gratitude we return to you what is yours. You created all that is and with love formed us in your image. When our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You gave your only Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Savior. All that we are and all that we have is a trust from you. And so, in gratitude for all the gifts we offer you ourselves and all that we have in union with Christ's offering for us. By your Holy Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. And now I invite you to join me in saying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we come to a time of offering, your giving impacts all kinds of people. David Freeman, our director of adult discipleship, is gonna share with us some ways that virtual classes have been blessing others. And he's got some ways that we can grow deeper in our faith through the Advent season. Let's take a listen. This is David Freeman, your adult discipleship director. 
Recently, I had a fun conversation with someone who said, oh boy, my weekly virtual class is just really helping me make it through COVID. I'm so grateful for Zoom. <laughs> I laughed because I know this person and said, did you ever think that you would hear yourself say, I'm grateful for Zoom? She laughed and said, not in my lifetime. Well, let me tell you, there is a large team of people at Schweitzer who has worked hard to make virtual and in-person and hybrid classes and groups a reality during COVID. Thank you for supporting that effort so that we can all remain resilient. Speaking of which, Advent is coming soon. We have four opportunities for you to join that, four virtual opportunities, three on Sunday at different times and one on Tuesday night. For more information, check it out at sumc.co backslash advent. David, thanks for that encouraging word. Next up is the men's ensemble singing for the wonderful grace of Jesus. Let's join together in worship. Mary Decker. This year we've been sharing stories of God's transformation. These stories have really been inspiring and impactful for many of us. Today, Justin Medley is going to share his story. 
While Justin's story is really inspiring, it does have some sensitive content related to suicide. We just wanted to let you know this before we get started. I started coming to Schweitzer in 2018, um, toward the end of the year. Uh, I was really struggling with uh, alcoholism. I had to be removed from the house and, um, and have no contact with my family. I had been drinking the night before and I was coming down from it and uh, I was sitting in the back of my van and uh, I had a pistol uh, that was loaded and I thought, you know, if I could just talk to my kids for just a second, I could end this thing, I could do it. I was ready to pull the trigger and all of a sudden uh, the VA called and it was a program that I'd been trying to get in uh, in Bonham, Texas. And they uh, called to see how I was doing and they wanted to know um, if I was still interested and if I was still interested in getting into the program. And I said I was, but they asked me, they're like, Some, something sounds wrong. You're, are you okay? And I was like, no, I'm really not. Um, and they talked me down from it. Uh, Sheriff's Department came out, check on me, make sure I was okay, and uh, I know that it's the power of Jesus in my life because I'm overcoming things that I haven't been able to overcome in years. We started, we started tithing and um, it just changed our lives. For me, it's important to tithe because that is me physically saying, here is my trust. I really, I really just feel the presence of God in my life now and in my wife and, and kids, like, I couldn't have done this. That's my huge takeaway from everything that I've been through is that I'm not in control. And I like it that way. My name is Justin Medley, and this is just the beginning of my story. Well, friends, welcome today. My name is Spencer. I'm the pastor here. Thank you so much, Justin, for sharing your story today with us. I mean, I have loved hearing these 52 stories over the course of the year. So thank you, Justin, for, for offering your story with us today. Part, today is part three of a series we've been on called Seek First, 
we're uh, looking at what comes first in our life and what it is that we chase after, what is our priority in life. And so we're exploring what, what Jesus has to say about uh, seeking him first. This is part three of three. Next week, we're going to start a new series called Peace on Earth. This is also the beginning of Advent. So when the angels show up on that night that Jesus is born and they start to sing to the shepherds, they sing about how peace will come to the earth. And so we're going to spend the four Sundays of Advent exploring this this promise of peace that comes through Christ. And and I can't think of a better way to end 2020 uh, than to talk about peace because this has been a year without peace. And so we're going to talk about this promise of peace on earth that we have through Jesus. Today, though, uh, part three of three of this series, Matthew chapter six, verse 33, Jesus says this. He says, seek first his kingdom, God's kingdom and his righteousness, God's righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. This great promise that when you seek God's kingdom first, everything else will fall into place. Now, when Jesus says this this line about seeking God's kingdom first, he doesn't just say this out of the blue. This is part of a larger sermon that he's giving. And so what we're doing in this series is we're looking at why does Jesus say this? What leads him to say this? And and to do this, we're looking at this sermon he preaches in Matthew chapter 6 and and honing in on, on just what was it that led him to say this? What was the buildup for this? So every week we're just adding a little bit more as, as we work our way to, to this great line, seek first God's kingdom and everything else falls into place. And so here's, here's, here's how this goes, the buildup. Matthew chapter six, verse 19. Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in to steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So right off the bat, Jesus gives us a choice. Your life is going to go one of two ways. It's an either or, it's a binary kind of choice. Either you're going to build a heaven, a treasure in heaven kind of life or a treasure on earth kind of life. Either you're going to live your life in obedience to God and seeking to put him first in the center of your life, or you're going to live for yourself. And so that's how he starts this off, keeps going. Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 22, The eye is a lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And this is a weird way of saying, as we talked about last week, of saying, if your eyes are focused on the right things, your whole life is going to fall into place. If your eyes are healthy, this is what he's talking about. If your eyes are straight and focused on where you want to go, if you get your eyes on the prize, then your life is going to work out in the way that it's supposed to. And so this is talking about living your life in a focused kind of way. He goes on here, verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And of course, the traditional translation of that is you cannot serve both God and mammon, which is what we talked about last week. Mammon is, is broader than money. It's it's all of the content of our life. It's not just our bank accounts, but it's all the stuff that we have. It's what fills our garages and our closets. It's our relationships. It's, it's, it's our careers. It's, it's our ambitions. It's everything that we are is, is, is mammon. And so Jesus is like, you can't serve all of the stuff of your life and God. It's an either or kind of thing because you're either building a treasure in heaven kind of life or a treasure on earth kind of life. Now, with all of that said, that's what we covered the last two weeks. Here's how Jesus wraps this up and moves to this great line. Here's what he says next, verse 25. He says, therefore, 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 because you're pursuing treasure on earth in heaven, not on earth, because you're serving God and not money, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. 
is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Now we hear Jesus say this, don't worry about your life. And this is one of those things you hear, you're kind of like, really? Don't worry about my life. All right, all right, Jesus, kind of like a wink, wink. Yeah, yeah, sure, Jesus, I won't, I won't worry about my life. Sure thing. I mean, how, how do you possibly do that? Not worry about your life. This is just one of those things that sounds absolutely impossible. But let me, let me share something with you that, that, I, that I believe. And uh, I know this is going to make me sound really naive, but I'm just going to share this with you. I think, again, this is my thoughts here. I think that Jesus actually means this. I, I think that Jesus' actual expectation for his followers is that we would not worry about our life. Like he actually expects us to live like this, to not worry about our life, what we're gonna eat or drink or about our clothes, what we're gonna wear. To not worry about our life and what's gonna be in our bank accounts and what's gonna fill our closets. To not worry about our life and, and what's gonna fill our 401ks and our savings and all of those kinds of things that we, we tend to worry about. We're not gonna worry about our life. Not, now that doesn't mean we're gonna be flippant about those things because we're also called to be good stewards of our life. But at the same time, we're not gonna obsess over those things, which is what leads to the worry. We're not gonna obsess over those things because uh, we are seeking first God's kingdom. So I know this may sound naive, but I, I actually believe that Jesus intends for his followers to not worry about their life, that that's not gonna be how they live. And, and here's why uh, he intends this for us. Verse 26, he says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or, or reap or store away in barns. They don't have awesome savings accounts. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Which is a verse some of us need to underline and memorize because the answer to that, if you're wondering, is no. Worrying does not add anything to your life. Verse 28. And wh why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And here comes verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, it is tempting to read what Jesus teaches here and, and to think that he is saying something that he's, that he's not really saying. It's tempting to, to read this and to think that what Jesus is saying is, is something like, hey, hey, you, you just need to chill out. You, you, you need to practice some self-care and, and stop worrying, de-stress de a little bit. Maybe you need to take a day off and take like a mental health day. You need to take care of yourself so you, you de-stress. And it's tempting to read Jesus saying this. And, and I, don't, I don't want you to misunderstand me. Um, Self-care is great. You need to take care of yourself. You need to be intentional about how you take care of yourself. And that will certainly de-stress your life. And the Bible has a lot to say about Sabbath keeping and things like that. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. Because when you think about that approach to, to, to de-stressing, if it's self-care and, and those kinds of things, what that's really about is you need to work harder at not stressing out as much. You need to work harder at not worrying as much. And it's tempting to think that that's what Jesus is saying, that you, you just need to like work really hard at not being stressed out. But that, that's not at all what he's saying. Jesus is getting to something deeper than that. 
He's getting to something deeper than what we do. It's, it's more about who God is because really what Jesus is getting to is like the thing behind the thing. He's getting to why is it that we shouldn't fill our lives with stress? Why is it that we shouldn't worry about our life? Why is it that we shouldn't worry about our clothes or what we're going to wear or our food? Why, why is it that we shouldn't do this? And here's the simple, easy answer that Jesus gives us, direct answer. Why is it that worrying is a complete waste of time? Here's the answer. Because God is good. This is what Jesus teaches. Why is worry a complete waste of time? Because God is good. And because God is good, God is going to take care of you. He's going to bless you and he's going to share his life with you. These are promises that we see throughout the Bible that God is going to provide for his people. I mean, you look through promises throughout the scripture over and over and over and over again. You see promise after promise about how God is going to provide for his people. And, and the reason you see this is very simple. It says God is good. God is good. And because God is good, I don't have to worry about my life. I don't have to worry about the things that are filling my life. I don't have to worry about all of those things that, that I tend to gravitate towards. I don't have to live my life in this kind of way. You see, Jesus has a, has a, has a simple point that he's making here, that, that when you live in the goodness of God, with this understanding that he is good and that he's going to take care of you, then you don't have to fill your life with worry. And if you think about it, what, what, what really happens when we fill our life with worry, what's really going on there is that we're believing that God is not good. Like when we start to fill our life with worry, what we're really doing is we're starting to believe that God's not good and that God's not gonna provide for us and that God's not gonna take care of us. He's not gonna give us what we need. He's not gonna be there for us when we need him. And, and so when we start to fill our life with worry, essentially that's, that's where we're going is we're starting to believe that, that, that God is not going to provide for us in the way uh, that uh, the scripture promises. And so Jesus has this very simple point, like, hey, worry is a complete waste of time because God is good. He is good and he is going to provide for you. So it doesn't matter what you face, you can put your trust in him. And really, as you start to drill down on what this means to seek God's kingdom first and foremost, that word I just used is really what this is about is that you can begin to trust him. Because, because worry is, is what we start to do when we live in a lack of trust of God. But if you're gonna live in a trusting relationship with your father in heaven who loves you and sees you as valuable, then you're gonna be able to trust him no matter what it is you're facing. No matter what it is your circumstances look like, you can trust him because he's good and you're valuable to him. You can trust him. And, and so as we start to think about worry in our life, what we really see is that worry is this indicator. Do I trust that God is good or, or do I not? Do I, do I trust that God's going to provide for me or, or, or do I not? Do I trust that God is there for me or do I not? Do I trust that he is good? Do I, do I trust him with the details of my life? Do I trust him with the details of my life? And this brings me to make up an observation of what we've read so far. These, these three weeks that we've been on, if you've been with us each week, there, there is a common thread that we, we, we see woven through these passages about how it is we trust God. And it's a common thread that we haven't talked about yet, but maybe you've already connected the dots and you've seen how this thread is being woven through these three weeks, but, but we just haven't made this, this observation yet together. And so as you think about these three weeks as we've walked through this, we've talked about things like where your treasure is, there your heart is gonna be also. You can have treasure on earth or treasure in heaven. 
We've talked about this, this temptation. You can't, you can't serve both God and money. You can't serve both God and mammon. Uh, we, we talked today about how you, you shouldn't fill your life with worry because God is good. And it's worry sp- about specifically the things that God's going to provide for you. Things like your food and, and your drink and, and, and the clothes that you wear. That's the things that Jesus specifically mentions here. And as you start to, to see this thread that's, that's woven through these, these passages here that leads to this promise about seeking God's kingdom first, what we start to see is that there's this common thread that what Jesus is talking about is very specifically around one strong area of our life where it comes to trusting God. And that specific area, of course, is our relationship with money. We see this each of the three weeks, that, that this question of are you going to trust God or not trust God, it, it, it starts to come down to what does your relationship look like with money? And, and that's an always like an uncomfortable thing to bring up, right? Because G- Jesus starts to talk about money. We always start to get uncomfortable with that. And, and, I, and I think the reason we always start to get uncomfortable when Jesus starts to talk about money is because, because money is, is one of those things that, that becomes a, like a black and white indicator of where it is that we, how it is that we actually trust God with the actual details of our life. Because it's easy to say that I trust God. Like it is easy to say that my faith is in him. It's easy to say that, that he's the center of my life. It's easy to say those things. But when you start to talk about your relationship with money, and I think this is why Jesus brings this up, is it becomes more real about, well, what do you actually, um, how do you actually trust God? How do you, how do you actually put him in the center of your life? How are you actually seeking him first in all things? And as you start to think about your relationship with money, it becomes even more clear and direct and observable about how is it that you're actually trusting God with the details of your life. Our relationship with money begins to, to show this. Let me, let me give you a great example of this from the Bible. And we're going to go to another, another place in the scripture, probably a book in the Bible that most of us have never read from. It's the, it's the book of Malachi in the Old Testament. The book of Malachi, Malachi is a prophet in the Old Testament. I mean, he, he's the guy who shows up and he speaks God's words and, and he has this message for God from the people, for the people. And, and so he shows up with this message of, of God for the people. And the people of Israel are, you know, their history is all hot and cold. They follow God. They don't follow God. They trust God. They don't trust God. And they just kind of go back and forth, back and forth. And, and, and it probably sounds like some of our relationship with God just kind of goes hot and cold, hot and cold. And, and Malachi shows up and he's got this message about returning to the Lord and, and, and honoring God and, and really trusting God with, with this observance part of our life and he's going to talk about their relationship with money. Of course, they don't use money, but he's going to talk about their relationship with their mammon, the, all the stuff of their life. And so this is a great, great place to see how this trust of God comes into play in a very practical, observable way in people's lives. And so let's read uh, what Malachi teaches. This is Matthew, or I'm sorry, Malachi chapter three, verse six. I'm just going to read this, some of this to you here. Um, here's what Malachi says. He says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. This is their hot and cold. They follow God. They don't follow God. They trust God. They don't trust God. And then he says this. Okay, he says, return to me. This is what the Lord says to them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, well, how are we to return? What does this look like for me to return to you and to trust you with my life and to, and to put my faith back in you? Well, listen to what God's answer is to them. Verse eight, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, 
how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. That's what the Lord says, in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Catch this. Four times we just read this word rob. The prophet four times says that the people are robbing God. I, I, I sure hope that God never says to me that I'm robbing him. Oh my goodness, four times we read this word. Now, now here's the backstory to what's going on here. Uh, Malachi is this Old Testament prophet. And in the Old Testament, there is this teaching that the people of Israel are supposed to bring to God their, their tithe. And of course, the tithe is a, is a 10% offering of, of what they have. And these people, you know, this is an ancient economy 2,500 years ago. It's an ancient economy and, and they don't have like money like we have it. And so their tithe is, is not from their paycheck that they get every two weeks, but rather their tithe is from crops. It's from sheep and it's from goats. It's from what they raise as people of the land. And so what the Bible teaches is that they're supposed to bring 10% of their harvest to the Lord, to the Lord's work in the temple, to, to honor him. And this is going to be sacrifices where we come up with the idea of sacrificial giving. It's 10%. It's a, it's a, it's a big sum for them. And they're called to bring this to the temple. But the biblical teaching in the Old Testament about the tithe is, is not that it's just 10%. It's a specific 10% because the biblical teaching of the Old Testament is that it's specifically the first 10%. The first 10%. The first 10% of the sheep, the first 10% of the goats, the first 10% of the crop, the first 10%. And so what they were doing is that they were bringing their tithe, the people of Israel, but kind of, because they weren't bringing the right 10%. They were bringing they weren't bringing their first 10%. The people of Israel were bringing their tithes, but they were bringing like the sheep that were sick and the goats that weren't very big. And they were bringing the crops that were damaged and, and they were bringing the, the, the parts of their harvest that they could never use or do anything with. They, they were bringing what we might call like their leftovers. This is the part of the harvest that's just kind of there. They're not going to do anything with it because it's, it's not good. It's not healthy. And this is what they bring to the Lord. And this is when the Lord says he's, that they're, they're robbing from him. And it makes perfect sense why they would bring that part of their harvest to the Lord for, for, their, for their tithe. Because you think about their situation. I mean, to bring 10% of your first part of your harvest is a frightening place to be. I mean, that, that raises all kinds of questions because you start to ask the question of like, well, if I bring the first 10% of my sheep or my goats or my crop or whatever I might have, like, like wh what if something bad happens? What if, I don't know, my sheep get sick? Like, what if there's a, a drought? What, what if there's a flood? What, what if, what if my, my harvest gets stolen? Like, there's all kinds of things that could happen. And so, like, what if I, I take the first 10% before I've harvested the rest of it and, and then something happens to the rest of it and it turns out I needed the first part of it. Like, like what happens then? You see, this is a, a question of trust. As, as the people of Israel are called to tithe, it's, it's a question of, of trust, of are you going to trust God to take care of you? Or, or are you going to fill your life with all of the what-if situations of what could happen if I stepped out on the limb and I trusted God with what he tells me to do. It's a, it's a question of trust. It's a, it's a black and white scenario that you can clearly see. Do you trust God or do you don't? Do you, do you trust God or, or, or do you trust in the stuff of your life? Do you trust God or do you trust in the harvest? What, what is it that you're trusting in to take care of you? And so, so this is what they're doing. And I want you to see God's answer because it's so in keeping with God's character. This is what God says back to them. This is verse 10. He says, bring the whole tithe, like 
the right 10%, the first 10%. Bring the whole tithe, the first 10% into the storehouse. It's language for the temple. That there may be food in my house. Again, talking about the temple. And then listen to what he says here. He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. And then verse 12 says, then all the nations will come and they'll call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. So the people of Israel are like, man, what if I bring the tithe and this thing happens over here that's out of my control and it turns out like I needed that 10% because the 90% I don't have in the same way. And God's like, try me, test me, see what I do when you trust me. Because, because God's like, I am so much bigger than your like worst case scenario questions that you have. I am so much bigger than the pests that you're worried about. I'm so much bigger than the drought and the flood and the sickness. I am so much bigger than whatever it is you're worried about. So, so trust me, trust me and, and follow me and be obedient to what I'm teaching you because, because what this is, is it's, it's a matter of trust. I think, I think if I had to quote Jesus, what Jesus would have said back to the people is this, uh, do not worry about your life, about the food that you're going to eat and the clothes that are gonna, you're going to wear. Do not worry about your life and all the little details that you begin to become accustomed to. Like this is what Jesus would have said back to these people. Like do not worry about all of these things because God is good. God will provide for you. God will take care of you. God has your back. God loves you. He is, you are valuable to him. And so I, I, Jesus speaks back into this, these worries and these what if questions we have and these worst case scenarios and his, his line back to us is, you know what, worry is, is a complete waste of time because God is, God is good. God is good. He has your back. He will protect you. He will provide for you. So why are you worried about all of the things that could happen? Instead, trust me. Trust me. This is what the Lord says to us, is just trust us. And the thing about trust is that it's observable. Trust is something that you can see. Trust is something that you can, you can witness. It's something that you actually have to do when you put your, your faith in action. And, and I think this is why when Jesus talks about seeking God's kingdom first, he ties it directly to our relationship with money because it becomes a black and white kind of thing. It, it becomes observable. We, we, can, we can witness it. We have to make a choice about it. It's not just something that we can say. It's something that we actually start to live into. When we actually start to, to put our money where our mouth is and we begin to trust God with the real details of our life. And so I, I'm just going to lay my, my, my cards on the table this morning and, and, and I, I might make, say something here that's, that makes you uncomfortable because anytime we start talking about money in church, of course, we always get uncomfortable. But, but I just want you to know this. Um, as long as I'm your pastor, I will continually ask you and call you to tithe. And, and the reason I do this um, is because a very simple reason. And it's not because of the church budget that we have to meet, even though our church does incredible work. 
but I'm going to continually ask you to tithe. And I, and I mean that in a biblical sense, like a sacrificial amount where you have to live your life differently. I'm going to call you to do this for the simple reason that you need to. It's good for you. Like the practice of generosity and tithing and offering to the Lord, it, it's not something about just the church budget and the buildings and the things that we have here. The, the tithe is really about, do I trust God? A, am I willing to, to take a step out in faith, even when it's uncomfortable, and begin to trust him with more details of my life. Now, I understand that not everyone's at a place where they can give 10%, and I, I totally get that, but no matter where you're at, I, I would encourage you that, that today, if you wanna live a life that's free of worry, then you have to start trusting God with the details of your life, and so we take steps. We take steps forward. Maybe you're not giving anything, and you, you start to take a step forward of 1%, or you start to take a step forward of another percent. You start to take a step forward because what, what this is really about is this question of, of do we trust the Lord? Do we trust that he is good? Do we trust that his ways are right? Do we trust that he will provide for us? Do we trust that he'll protect us? Do we, do we trust, do we trust the Lord? And so this morning, as, as I wrap this up, I, I just, I wanna offer you one final thought, one final um, word of encouragement for you, and just simply this, trust God because he is good. No matter what, might be, you might be facing your life, you can trust God because He is good. He will provide for you. He will take care of you. He has your back and you are valuable to Him. And so therefore, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about all the details that fill your life. And instead, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Let's pray. And so Father, today, we want to put our trust in you because the truth is there are so many things that are constantly coming against us that make us worried and fearful and stressed out. And yet you have this intention for us that we could live a life of faith and not worry. And that's not because we're strong or we can figure out the right things for ourselves. It's just simply because you are good and you want good things for us. And so today we celebrate your goodness and the most basic way that we see your goodness expressed to us, of course, is through your son Jesus being given for us on the cross. We thank you for his sacrifice that brings new life, eternal life, and full life to us, that we can put our faith fully and, and, and fully and trusting in him. In the name um, of Jesus, we pray today, amen. Unravel me with a melody You surround me with a song Of deliverance from my enemies Till all my fears are gone I'm no longer slave I am a child of God I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God I 
Friends, it's been great to share this time together today. I want to say thank you to those who led and used their gifts to lead us in worship today. Thank you, Jason and KJ, Stephanie. Thank you, Justin, for sharing your story with us. Men's Ensemble, thank you for leading us. It's been great to, to see you and hear from you today. Uh, if this has been helpful for you, I want to encourage you. Who could you share this with to share the good news message that we can trust God with absolutely everything because He is good. Have a great week. God bless you. Amen.